Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 21st of May, 2017. We really don't get news anymore, do we? We get handouts. I've mentioned for years, actually, we'll be getting handouts from higher sources that just hands out what we're supposed to prattle about and think about, etc. And many of the handouts are coordinated by think tanks all working together. And these people manage reality. They decide what reality is going to be and what it is today, what it's going to be in the future, and how they're going to change it. I've given lots of talks about that very thing years ago, and it's on the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. But it's constantly reinforced that we're, we live in an ongoing manufactured reality. Anything that really, really matters to us on any scale at all, we generally don't know is going on. Or if we know it's going on, such as the spraying in the skies, heavy, heavy aerial spraying in the skies, then our so-called representative governments ignore us all, tell us we're crazy, and that they haven't started doing it yet. What an insult. What an insult. It's bad enough if you're telling a child with a vivid imagination that they're, they're imagining things, and what they see is not really what they think they see. But when they get you as an adult who's grown up and lived long enough to know what condensation trails in the skies looked like compared to these massive mush-creating sprays that they do today, and they tell you you're crazy, you're seeing things, that, that's beyond any kind of insult. It truly is. It truly is. And never mind the money and management, etc. that goes into creating all of this. But to tell you you're crazy, you're imagining it, is, is beyond insult. And in fact, anybody who thinks you have a representative government and has been told that you're seeing things, you need your heads examined if you continue to believe anything in that case from government. Never mind voting for them. It's disgusting. It's dis- beyond disgraceful. And that is the kind of reality that our masters talked about for long before I was born, in fact, in the various scientific communities going way back. And Aldous Huxley talked about it. Many other ones talked about it. H.G. Wells talked about it. They all belonged to the same globalist societies that believed that totalitarianism was inevitable and that they themselves, being the elite, should rule the world. And it's all coming to pass, of course, under various treaties and treaties which supersede nations, such as the climate nonsense, all thought out by the Club of Rome, the private globalist think tank, who came up with the idea of what they could use to get us to give up our rights and freedoms and all the rest of it to save the planet, etc. But that's the rubbish they give you, and it's worked awfully well. In reality, creation... And I've mentioned Wag the Dog as a good example, because they, they use the techniques of psychological warfare in the movie, where they try to get the press to follow a make-believe story, to get the press off of the back of their president in this comedy, who's been diddling little, little girls, apparently. 
in the movie. And so they, they tried to divert it with a war in a country that most folk haven't heard of, which actually exists. It's Albania. But uh, this is what they used. And they, they say in the movie, well, why, Al- why do you pick Albania? They say, well, nobody knows where it is. They know nothing about it. And as long as they all repeat it, and that's what you do at the top, you always repeat it like weapons of mass destruction. Everybody who's in the, the top cabinet of government comes out and repeats it. They know, they know to do this. They're all told to do it. And they repeat the same lie over and over. Don't, don't extrapolate it. Just say the little, the little phrase. And so it becomes life of his own to an extent. And that's what you do. Or Russia tampered with the election. Russia tampered with the election. Russia, same thing again. Facts don't matter. And it works on the human psyche, basically. It works. And it's the same thing, too, with the global warming, which turned to climate change because the warming wasn't uh, happening and weather was not cooperating with uh, the plan of the totalitarian elitists. But it doesn't matter because they simply call it climate change now and then they shift the focus into this harmless trace gas called CO2, which is an essential gas for life on the planet. But facts, again, don't matter. The same technique is used. And today we have armies, armies of prostitute spielers, merchants who who are willing to get followers and non-governmental organizations to follow them, to protest that we, that we must that we keep any money back at all from the public, uh, just take all their money from the public and put it into fighting global warming and saving the planet. It's all a scam, as we well know, but all these NGO leaders, etc., are awfully well paid to scam the general public. And you don't vote for them. And what you haven't noticed through any of this is that non-governmental agencies are now ruling the world using your money. And you don't vote for any of them. So why bother voting at all? Hmm? Now, the same Club of Rome has put out plenty of articles and written books telling us what their agenda is. And from day one, their agenda was to depopulate the planet. Part of their task was to find reasons why, to convince the public as to why they must depopulate the planet. And that's when they hit upon the idea that global warming, famine, drought and the like would fit the bill. That's their words that they use pretty well, paraphrasing to an extent. But it hasn't changed. You see, the real problem for the elites have always been there's going to be too much of you. You. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That means most of you out there listening to me that you're now obsolete, basically. You're using resources which the elite and the scientific elite of the future can use. The rest of you don't matter because you're in a post-industrial society. You don't need all of you. You don't, certainly don't need laborers anymore. They're a dime a dozen. They can import them if they want to, but they don't need you anymore. And since they gave all your factories away through free trade to China... They certainly don't need people working, semi-skilled laborers and, and so on anymore. And that's, but how, how, what do they do with you? They really resent you being around. They make it very obvious in all of their writings and their big speeches that they're completely arrogant about it too. Now, the Club of Rome 
and all the big boys have always used, all these globalists, this idea of democracy to fool you all. And gradually over time, the idea of what democracy is changes. You don't realize it's changing because you don't think about it. In fact, you don't think about things too much. You're distracted with a thousand other things of relevances which are put out there by the avalanche for you to study, which don't matter at all. Those in power certainly don't want you watching carefully what's going on at higher levels. They don't want that at all. And they really get rather ticked off when there's enough people studying them and following them to see what they're up to. They really do. But nothing gets, gets people upset more, especially the think tanks, than people watching the same think tanks and all the big foundations out there, the philanthropic foundations, that are managing the governance, as they like to call it, of the world. Because you don't vote for any of them. And these characters don't even have to put a pretense on, like the politicians do to the public. They hate your guts. They hate the public's guts. If you speak out about them, meaning you're watching them and you've been studying them, they'll, they'll come out. They hate your guts. They are the most arrogant people in the planet. Because they've been left alone for so long to do whatever they wanted to do. And they really believe that they have all the moral high ground in the the world to do whatever they want to do. The arrogance is incredible that oozes from these true globalists. And they're all prostitutes because they're serving the masters above even them. They're all workers. But you find in this world of of, of humanity, this is the thing about humanity and utopias, you could never get a utopia because of something called human nature. We all respond, for instance, to the mushy type of movie where you all stand together, you didn't fight for your country in time of war, or whatever it happens to be. And, and, but that's fantasy, folks. That is fantasy. Because even if you ever fight for something, you're never going to get what, you, what you're after in the first place. It never materializes. Most of the time, you're being used by folk way high above you at the top for a purpose you'll never fathom. You'll never know. Did people in, in the U.S. Or, or Canada or Australia or New Zealand and, and elsewhere, did, did they fight World War Two? Did they fight World War Two so that they could have no borders anywhere across the planet and be ruled by environmentalists and non-elected foundations, so-called charitable foundations run by multi-trillionaires? Did they fight for that? Or did they fight to keep their culture and their nation and their heritage? So therefore, whenever you're fighting for something, you better understand it's never for what you thought it was for. Those at the top know darn well where they want to go. But you won't know at the bottom where you do all the work and the dying, you won't know. It's not your job to know. <laughs> Truly. H.G. Wells was a, is a fantastic example. And he wrote a lot of non-fiction books too. Now remember, he belonged to the Fabian Society for, for global socialistic governance. They believed that, that, that at the very, very top should be the innovators, 
in economics and other things, and then scientists of all kinds running the world, with psychologists, and now we have behaviorists and so on. All of those folks should, should rule our lives for us, and on a sliding scale all the way down. And he believed, too, eventually they'd, they'd have to do away with borders, etc. And he wanted, he was quite vocal about having a world war, like members of the Royal for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations had too. The need for a world war to bring every nation to its knees financially and with a massive loss of life, that they'd give up sovereignty and allow themselves to be ruled in a scientific manner by a world government. They, they wrote lots and lots of books about it. And it's never stopped. After World War II came along, they still couldn't get all the countries to simply cave in. And so they're still at it today. It hasn't gone away. And they've been going at it in a more clever way of amalgamating countries into trading blocks and then giving them a single parliament per block. And that way it's much easier to rule a whole stack of countries. And then eventually amalgamate them all. Still ongoing. And the Club of Rome came up with the idea, because they were given the task, of how to get the folk to give up all their rights and freedoms. And that was the idea, to save the world, the planet, the environment, etc. Man was the threat. And that's all you have to know about all the nonsense and scams to do with, with the climate going all haywire, etc. If it's going haywire at all, it's because we haven't seen natural weather since, since it started the heavy global aerial spraying. So what is normal weather anymore? Hmm? We don't know, and we won't know. They've even said if they stopped the spraying, if they were to start, wink, wink, if they stopped it, it would cause havoc as the world would try to right itself. Well, it also means as they go into it, it also causes havoc. <laughs> but then they blame the people for causing the problem. You're breathing. There's too many of you breathing, you see. Etc. etc. It's so sickening. But again, I could, I could prattle on about that for hours. This was, was kind of pointless. What they give you is overwhelming speeches and data. All conflicting kinds of nonsensical data by the avalanche after avalanche, to make sure that no one looks into it. They can't even look into it themselves, the ones who pour it all out. And the idea of doing that is to literally overwhelm the person who is investigating so they just shut down or shut off and go somewhere else. That's what they want. It's an old technique. You find the same thing with the laws that get passed which always have something opposite or completely different from what you think initially they were there for. When a, a whole set of omnibus laws get passed at once and have thousands and thousands and ten thousands and more pages and no politician looks through it all. None of them do. They just sign on the dotted line and that's it. That's why it's written that way. A higher agency rules the world. And obviously, since the politicians don't read anything, it's not them. And they admit they don't read them. Who, what human being has the time to read 10,000 pages of legalese? 
So what's the purpose of it all? The purpose is you're tied in to a much deeper, interwoven global system, which is to affect every single part of existence for every single human being on the planet. And your life will be ruled from birth to death in a hundred different ways by government agencies. That's what it's all about. The ancient dream of H.G. Wells and many others come to pass with his backers, the, the Astor family. Now, when Bush Jr. was in the White House, one of his aides, his top aides, was Carl Rove. And he made, a, he made quite a few famous statements, actually, this, this guy, who really understood the game, the game and of control of the mind and control of the narrative, etc., and how really uh, propaganda works. And he, he was asked, and they believe it was him anyway, who was asked a question from a reporter who was, who was wanting to know about reality or whatever it was called for, for information to the public. Remember, you have government departments of information. We have them. Orwell talked about them too, the Department of Information. And I think they really blossomed during World War One, and then in World War Two, they really were set in stone forever. But anyway, every country's got them. And this, I'll put up some of the links to articles where Rove did talk about how reality worked for the general public. It says, the aide said, this is, the aide was Carl Rove, they believe, said that guys like me were in what we call the reality-based community, that's reporting, which he defined as people who believe that solutions emerge from your judicious study of discernible reality. I nodded and murmured something about enlightened principles and empiricism. He cut me off. That's not the way the world really works anymore. He continued, we are an empire now. And when we act, we create our own reality. And while you're studying that reality, judiciously, as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities which you can study too. And that's how things will sort out. We are history's actors. And you, all of you, will be left to just study what we do. And that's in a few books, actually, and different articles as well. And one of them is Faith, uh, Certainty, and the Presidency of George W. Bush, the New York Times Magazine. And another one was Words in Time of War on Rhetoric, Truth, and Power. And it's quite interesting, really, because it's how those who are trained in propaganda and how the psychology of the human mind works for the masses, they become really disgusted at the general population, just like... Bernays was disgusted at the general population. I think one of his daughters talked about that in an in a interview. He was disgusted. He hated the people because they were too easy to manipulate. And when they're so easy to manipulate, you, 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 you become disgusted at them. It's just too easy. They're a lesser kind of human beings. That's how you see them. And those who are used to being obeyed such as law, etc., in a country, are very easily pushed over the edge into using force to be obeyed. Because as people obey and obey and obey, 
the occasional one who doesn't go along with it stands up like a sore thumb. And there's almost, a, again, an animalistic response to them by those who are used to having people jump to it, basically. And they become terribly aggressive. Remember, it's a, there's a very fine line between compliance and disobedience. And it's a very fine line between those who expect compliance and the same people will actually unleash violence to have their way. A very human trait, and we tend to forget that in so-called, so-called civilized nations because most folk simply go along and obey and do what they're told to do. When things get bad financially or with lack of work, etc., that kind of system can break down and then the violence is unleashed to try and keep control by those in power. But most of the time, we're managed by psychology and distractions. That's why entertainment gets so much uh, praise, basically, and scope to meddle with society uh, because they are also the culture creators. They push the envelope into creating the new system, the new society, as they also destroy the old society, the old culture. It all works together. And it wouldn't happen if those in power, if it didn't approve of it, it wouldn't happen at all. But since government says nothing ever, ever about the culture industry, then it's all part of the one system. But apart from that, we know for a fact that even the Pentagon has an office in Hollywood where uh, so many movies are, have military inputs, bigger inputs and financing with the warships and aircraft and, and fighter aircraft and so on, all, all part of the movie. Y- you don't rent these characters. <laughs> it doesn't happen. It's a propaganda movie. So it's almost a seamless system for the, the new order of things between uh, the culture industry, the war industry, and the governmental industry as well, and bureaucratic industry. It's all one system. And it's globalist in scope of course, because they, they agree with everything with each other on, on the same agenda. Now, talking about Karl Rove, you find that Neil Gabler in the Los Angeles Times 2004 said, All politicians operate within an Orwellian nimbus where words don't mean what they normally mean, but Rovism posits that there is no objective, verifiable reality at all. Reality is what you say it is. And that's right, basically, almost, and it truly is Orwellian, because in 1984, the book, you had O'Brien torturing Winston until eventually Winston has to agree with everything O'Brien says. And, if, and O'Brien says, if I see I can fly, Winston, then I can, I can fly. You know, in other words, you'll believe it. And that's, that's what it is. So reality is whatever the controller says it is. And they use this technique upon the whole of society too. Such as, oh, we're all going to die for global warming. Well, the climate didn't cooperate, so they they went to simply climate change, which is just normal. It's always changing. (laughs) That's what the weather forecast used to be for. What's the weather today? Hmm? But reality doesn't matter, and facts don't matter. And that's what they're also telling you, that these... These guys, these experts in manipulation of the masses uh, are telling you 
in their rather sarcastic, haughty way, is, is that, that you'll think whatever we tell you to think. And that hasn't changed. It's got worse and worse and worse over the years. And we've had nothing but that for a long time. And even in many um, so-called alternate media, you find that it's almost like a trash magazine of he said, she said, and folk shouting bad, dirty names to each other. That's what it's, it's come down to, basically. Because the facts, too, are becoming harder to get a hold of. Those in control want you to to have the gossip stuff to, to argue about. And that's what it's meant to do. The he says, the he, she said stuff. is to get, it's an emotive, always an emotive topic to get you arguing with someone else about. It doesn't matter what you argue about. It doesn't matter if you think you lose or win the argument. It has no bearing on reality in the course of history. It doesn't matter. It simply is a way to get you out of the picture of being aware of, of cogent reality and what it is, what really is going on. You're disabled. You put out the picture. And that's what, it, that's what it does. It burns you out, in fact. It's meant to burn you out. Just like the, the thousands and thousands of pages that go into a treaty or a part of a treaty. It's great work for lawyers. It's like the Devil's Advocate movie where the devil tells his son, really, who doesn't know he's his son, he tells him, he says, we're winning by turning out armies of lawyers. And that's how you take over the world. Through treaties of all kinds. Now there is column agreements but they still hold them as though they're treaties. And they have thousands and thousands of laws. And that's what all this stuff to do with uh, the environment and global warming and all the rest of the rubbish is all about, is to do with managing your lives across the whole planet and to govern the world. The elites, I've read all their old books, of course, and they, they talked about managing the people from birth to death, right down to would they need you to even be born. And if not, you wouldn't be born. That's the world they're bringing in now. And they're using all these lies and excuses to bring it in. Their Agenda 21, remember it's a whole, 21 is a 21, the 21st century, the century of change. The whole century has to have a whole bunch of things accomplished before it's finished, including you all living in the crammed, run-down, defunct cities that are falling apart because you're going to die off anyway, you see. And you, you have no, no vehicles that are going to tax you off the road through carbon taxes and various other things too. And apart from that, you're only going to be allowed to drive these rubbishy little electric cars. They're completely subsidized by the governments. And you could never afford it if the government chipped in to pay a good part of the cost. But they simply aren't reliable for country driving in winters like Canada. But you won't need that because you won't be driving in Canada. Essential vehicles only, it says, in Agenda 21. And they always get what they want. One way or another, by all means, all deceptions, they get what they want. doesn't matter how they get there as long as they get what they want. And you're, got, you're living through the whole agenda right now. Most folk could probably reel off all the, the latest so-called stars and soaps and so on, or what's on TV, yada, yada, yada ad nauseum, but they can't tell you, they can't tell you what the cops meeting is, the cops meeting to do with the future of you and the whole environment 
con game and taxation, right down to can you even heat yourself in the winter or not. They don't even know what's going on. It's just it's just packed in. The last meeting of it. And they sign again, just on cue. It's all done in advance by the Sherpas. They go in there and they have a great meal and they bang up and they bring out the prostitutes for them too, by the way. All these global meetings have all these things laid on for them. And then they, they, they wine and dine, all the best stuff, and then and party away and sign on the line. All the stuff that was already drafted up for them to sign. At all these global meetings, it's more of a formality and a big, big party time for them. They don't really discuss anything. It's all done beforehand. And that's what we live through. We don't elect any of these people, but we pay for them all. We pay for them all. And they tell us what to do and how to live or not to live, etc. And your politicians, I don't care what country you're in, all sign that into law when, they, when these characters shove these treaties and agreements in front of their noses. And you get no say in the matter whatsoever because you're living in an, an agenda, someone else's agenda, a very old one. And I won't go through it all because I get sick talking about it. No one really cares. Very few folk care about what's really, really happening. They prefer that the rubbish is dished out to them to argue about the motive stuff. They're managed so easily by experts. They don't even know it. So I'm just briefly going to touch on the military-industrial complex. Well, Donald Trump is their boy, obviously. It wouldn't matter who got in because it'd be their boy or their girl because they all work for the same boss. <laughs> they really do. And the U.S., Saudi Arabia, or Saudi Arabia, signed more than $110 billion arms deal amid the Trump visit. Well, that's all arranged way in advance, of course, because... Uh, the only thing they have to do is clear it all with the government, and that's all it is, is a final signature that probably Donald Trump wouldn't even have to actually sign because other departments generally do it. But they make a big deal out of it because they're trying to get his image up. And so there you go, $110 billion arms deal. That's to start with. And then another $350 billion over the next 10 years to Saudi Arabia. And <laughs> no doubt a lot of that will end up... Uh, funneling its way again through to, to other uh, other groups within that area, of course, as you well know. And then it says here, $110 billion weapon sale to Saudi has Jared Kushner's personal touch. In other words, they're trying to build up uh, Jared as well because he's been such a mess already, as you well know. And his friends and are trying to bolster uh, his image in society or for society, in other words, too. What can you say with that kind of thing? But again, it's just the, it's just the weapons industry. Weapons and probably jets and bombers, God knows what else, too, and, and missiles of all kinds, yada, 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 all that stuff. Because it, it's almost, I can remember 20 years ago saying the same thing, that the, the only thing that America seems to sell anymore is weaponry. And and it's true, it's such a lucrative business for the guys that create it all, isn't it? Because every year they've got a new model of everything, no matter what it happens to be, it's a new model that's better and faster or whatever. And that's how they sell it, at least. And, uh, yeah, it's a good business for them, I suppose. And then this article here is quite good, although it's from a far-left institution. I hate this far-left and far-right nonsense, don't you? 
because they're all working for the same system. I don't care what they pretend to, to differ about. It's all nonsense, their, their differences. It's, the public must believe in democracy, understand. Democracy does not exist. That's why you're not asked uh, your opinion or your vote. You're not given any votes on anything that really matters, like do you want to get taxed out of your home for carbon taxes or taxed off the road for carbon taxes, etc., etc., etc. So much for democracy. It doesn't exist. But they keep the, the nonsense going as though it did. You know. In the 21st century, propaganda, a guide to interpreting and confronting the dark arts of persuasion. There's lots of books out there on, on that too. Um, but the fact is, um, it's not difficult. This article here talks about Aldous Huxley and Brave New World Revisited, talking about propaganda being of two kinds. One was rational propaganda, which is in favor of action that is consonant with enlightened self-interest of those who make it and those to whom it's addressed. In other words, arguments couched in facts and logic. And then non-rational propaganda is not consonant with anybody's enlightened self-interest, but is dictated by and appeals to passion. Don't forget that last one. The latter kind Huxley went on avoids a logical argument and seeks to influence his victims by the mere repetition of catchwords. See, that's how it's done. And that's what it does. It does it avoids logical argument. Remember, weapons of mass destruction, weapons of mass destruction. Everybody in the cabinet had to come out and say the same thing. Nothing else, just that, when asked about a particular thing. Weapons of mass destruction. Don't elaborate, just say that. Weapons of mass destruction. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And in a way it goes. It takes a life of its own. That's what you do. Or you can use the Russia. Russia interfered with the U.S. elections. Russia interfered with U.S. elections. Over and over, doesn't need any basis in reality. But, but it must be repeated over and over and over and over and over again. Because it works on the people. It's interesting too. I've seen this this particular line said by different presidents in the past in the U.S. Make America great again. This is by the furious denunciation of foreign or domestic scapegoats, and so on and so on. It says to Huxley's readers, most of whom have lived through the era of Hitler, Mussolini, and Stalin. These methods would all have been familiar, but over time it came to seem, at least in the West, as if his rational propaganda is still possibly misleading, but nonetheless rooted in the language of reason and fact, an enlightened self-interest had won out as the primary form of political discourse. And then 2016 happened, and they complain in this article about the voters choosing Brexit in Britain, and then Donald Trump, even though it was patently clear that Brexit hadn't been thought through and that Trump wasn't fit to be president, as his expert attempt for someone who specializes in facts became a pejorative. Politicians lied with seeming impunity, no matter how blatantly and how often the press caught them doing it. So what went wrong? So they go through their own version of what went wrong and so on and so on and so on. But it's true, if you understand, that most arguments today are not really revolving around fact. There are even 
shows out there that pick one a one-liner thing which they tear to pieces over and over and over again for hours and hours and hours. You're, you're, lear- you're, you're learning nothing. It goes nowhere. But it, it's, it's quite a feat to, to, to take a one-liner of someone saying something and bash it to death. But some folk do that. And the folk listen and listen. Even though they're never going to learn anything from it, <laughs> it doesn't matter because it's said with a lot of emotion and showmanship or whatever it happens to be. That's how things go. But it's so true that that facts don't really count. And it's true, facts don't count when it comes to wars or propaganda. That's why those who create the meme for the attack using propaganda want those who hear it to be immediately offended by it and disgusted by it and angry by it and go into trying to to refute it all, the different points laid out. And that is pointless. It doesn't work like that. Facts don't matter when it comes to it. In fact, trying to refute it can make the innocent seem guilty to people who just cursorily look into it and don't go into it in any depth at all. That's how it works. And unfortunately, we're so well studied as human beings. Those at the top understand this just too well. Another thing with those in authority today, it doesn't matter if it's local or state, provincial in Canada, for instance, or federal. Everything is pretty well corrupt. And they all have their hands in the cookie jar to dish out cash to so many different organizations out there that they end up getting short for things that they should be putting money into and the fact that's a common thing with them. All the politicians want to have a good name and have folk bowing and scraping, etc. So they dish out all your cash to institutions and, and charity, which are no charities at all, as I say, but they're simply political armies called non governmental organizations. And they have nothing left for the things that the taxes are supposed to be for in the first place. I mentioned last week about the particular tunnel that collapsed in the U.S., in Washington State. And it is Hanford's Purex Tunnel, as they call them. It says here, scientists hired by the U.S. Department of Energy began a series of warnings about the possible failure of Hanford's Purex Tunnels nearly four decades ago, 40 years ago. And documents obtained by the King 5 investigators show a series of pieces of expert advice that went unheeded. If the contents of the tunnel must be removed, it should be deactivated as soon as possible to ensure the tunnel is still structurally sound during the removal operation, wrote DOE expert G.R. Sylvan, it says, in 1980. (laughs) That was 36 years ago. Instead of acting, Hanford officials dragged their heels. Due to inattention to the vulnerable storage tunnel, the Hanford site made international headlines May 9th when a portion of the tunnel number one collapsed, exposing Cold War era equipment, highly contaminated with radionuclides, heavy metals, and toxic chemicals. What they did, they buried, I think it was a train full of radioactive waste. It says, if it, if it had been a windy day, radioactive particles could have been scattered across eastern Washington and perhaps beyond. If the breeze would have been blowing harder, well, if it, that means it was blowing, if it's, if, 
obviously it was blowing, but it says here, if the breeze had been blowing harder and if heavy wooden timbers supporting the tunnel would have fallen quickly instead of slowly and caused a big plume, we could have been contaminated. We could have had contamination out there. How far it would have gone, I don't know, said veteran Hanford Radiation Specialist Steve Ellingson. Well, how far it could go is how far the wind goes before it stops, <laughs> basically. Uh, if, it's going up, if it's a north wind or going up north from the south, it'll blow up into Canada and maybe into Alaska even, or who knows where it'll end up eventually. Or Russia. Uh, that's how it goes. It just keeps going and going and going. And it said uh, Hanford had dodged a bullet, even though higher radiation readings were detected. There is no indication those were harmful to the environment or human health. What nonsense is that? I mean, the only indication it would tell you if it was harmful to the environment or human health is when the indication would be that someone's dying of cancer caused by it. Hmm? This is due to a lack of wind, DOE, which owns Hanford, said no contaminated particles that could have been inhaled or ingested became airborne. Who, who, apart from some deity, could tell you that? So, <laughs> the DOE which owns Hanford said no contaminated particles that could have been inhaled or ingested became airborne. How on earth can you ever see a thing like that? We're talking about a particle. No particle, not even one, became airborne, even though there was a breeze. Because that's him just covering their derrieres. Anyway, it says we feel very fortunate about that, said top Hanford official, blah, blah. It also says here that they talked about the questionable integrity of tunnel number one. The state ordered the DOE to evaluate tunnel integrity. That evaluation, submitted to the state on September the 6th, 1991, found the wooden timber beams supporting the tunnel were degrading from radiation. Anyway, that goes on and on. And, and that's what happens when when you have this lax time, we've had a lax time, but we really don't give a darn for a long time, and money goes into places where perhaps it shouldn't even be going in the first place, as opposed to places it should really be going. But this radiation is just ridiculous. <laughs> Let's just bury it. and so We don't see it out of sight, out of mind, and leave it to someone else down the road to, to deal with. That's a beautiful statement, so isn't it beautiful, eh? That we've got, it really, you know, not a particle became airborne. Not a particle. That's, hey, that's a real expert there, I'm telling you. Mm. And also, I'm going to go into that, that other article I was mentioned before about from Quartz, a left-wing group too, talking about the naive pursuit of reason. And they do mention some of the things that the those who study us know. It is, I always find it quite interesting to, to see what they're up to and, and what they're... Mind you, they sometimes change their tune once in a while, all these big, big studies they do on us, and they'll, they'll say something almost opposite of what they said before was true. And just like a bunch of, I don't know, programmed ants, all these scientists go, all believe at the same time what, what new evidence says until the next bunch of evidence comes along and contradicts it. It is quite interesting. But they do mention in this article that psychologists have established that we form beliefs first before we use facts. And only then look for evidence to back them up. 
and research has turned up apparent physiological and psychological differences between liberals and conservatives. <laughs> but it's all rubbish to me because it's all a con game. The whole idea of politics is a complete con game to manage us all rather than us have us having revolutions every so often. That's really what it's for. I can remember when Bush Jr. and the neocons, and you all know what neocons are, what the wars are all about in the Middle East and so on, and because they'd already written about them back in the 90s, the countries they wanted to take out. And the neocons really believed, that they, that the public would swallow it, by the way, and the troops would swallow it, that they're on a mission to, to, for Iraqi freedom, they called it Iraqi freedom. And it was called revolutionary democracy, where they'd force the countries they invaded. <laughs> so they're only invading to force democracy on the people. And I've heard all kinds of reasons for invasions. It's just beautiful, isn't it? All, all the doubles speak, and even the troops are part in this stuff. There's videos out there where the, 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 where the troops are calling them dumb, you know, efforts, which they, seems to be a popular thing that comes out of the U.S. Because they, the people didn't want democracy. You see? Well, we haven't had it either, mind you. But that doesn't matter. We're trying to force democracy upon these people who, who themselves... Don't want it. But I've seen troops go into countries for all kinds of con jobs. At least we're told the reasons why they go in. When troops are sent into another country that is not invading you, then it means that you're now invading them. You're the invaders. I don't care what they call the, tr- the soldiers. Soldiers are soldiers. When they've got grenades strapped to their belts and they've got their rifles and ammunition and all the rest of it. A soldier is a soldier is a soldier. I don't care what color helmet they give them or call them peacekeepers or whatever. When they go in ready for combat, they're a soldier. That's the end of the story. Everything is doublespeak, isn't it? Or going into forced democracy on them, says George Bush Jr. And you, did you ever believe that nonsense? I hope not. <laughs> Because it went in to loot them. And the big oil boys divvied up all the oil fields, etc. We know that too. But it doesn't matter what comes out after after any propaganda to do with war and invasions and all that, as long as they get the job done. Then they can tell you years later, what, what, yeah, yeah, you were right, you know, we did it for blah, 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 to steal this and steal that. And that's how it was done. Another article here too is from LifeSite News. And it talks about uh, a Catholic historian, Roberto de Matti, said the family is facing a profound crisis as a result of sexual revolution that unleashed its greatest violence in the 1960s, but had its first decisive moment in the Protestant Reformation. It's quite an interesting little article, actually. And he talks about uh, what procreation is and then how it's been looked upon today, where sex is the ultimate end of man, basically because the, the children don't even get born anymore. And that, again, is what the big uh, socialists, or communists, if you want to call them that too, talked about for years. They would separate the sexual act from bonding. And then you would have the end of marriage. You would have promiscuity, and no one would bother getting married anymore. Now, in this article, it does talk about the French Revolution, which is really interesting. Uh, again, the myth that's created and what really happens. 
And it says here, while these attempts at a pansexual utopia were ultimately crushed by the, the state, the heresy persisted and moved from the religious level to the political level in the French Revolution. When the revolutionaries stormed the Bastille, July 14, 1789, to release political prisoners, they found only seven prisoners. You've seen all, all these terrible movies they make, and oh, you'll see hundreds of prisoners coming out. And there's only seven in the, in the Bastille. But among these was a notorious Marquis de Sade, who thereupon joined and influenced the revolution, according to de Maté. De Sade, who died in a sane asylum, provided the theory of revolutionary pansexualism, de Maté said, and listed as revolutionary achievements the following blasphemy, theft, homicide, and every type of sexual perversion, incest, rape, and sodomy. And it's quite a good expose, in a sense, on the whole sexual war that went on, which was planned, the, the sexual liberation idea, as I say, to destroy the family unit, and then eventually to, to have lots of unwanted children, which would bring in the fact that they could start killing off children legally. And it's a, a massive trade today, I suppose, just killing off children. Sad but true. Everything has an effect, an effect in a, in a cause. And you, that nothing is for free. Nothing's for free. It's interesting, this article here, then you go into the, the, the CIA, Gloria Steinem, who, and it, as I've said before, the CIA is nothing what you think it is. It's nothing to do with what you think it is. The CIA led the cultural revolutions that destroyed your own countries. They were at the forefront of making it all happen across Europe as well. And Gloria Steinem is admitted years later that she and her newspaper or paper magazine were set up and funded by the CIA. And it says, feminist icon Gloria Steinem says the lack of abortions caused climate change. See, getting back to where they've always wanted to, to bring you, it's all your fault. There's too many of you, not them, but you, you understand? Quite something, eh? In your face, from this <laughs> thing called Gloria Steinem, who's been paid to destroy the culture of the country she was raised in. Now when I touch on this con game again, Today, because it's important since that meeting was on, and I want to put some articles up, links up for those who want to follow it at all. Most folk can't follow it, it's just too much for them, and it's meant to be that's why it's meant to overwhelm you. All this stuff I've even got a dictionary of all the terms they use and abbreviations they use. They've got dictionaries now, so the general public will, will never understand what they're talking about. See, you're, you're not supposed to know what's going on, it's, it's none of your business. That's the arrogance that these non-governmental organizations that draft up treaties on behalf of the multi-trillionaires of the world and then present to your politicians to sign. That's the arrogance and contempt they have for all of you. Diplomats from around the world gathered in Germany over the past two weeks for the latest round of UN climate talks. How was the weather? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was rather cold today. The intersessional talks which take place at Bonn each year midway between the annual conference of parties, that's the COP, 
aims to move negotiations forward ahead of the larger meeting which takes place towards the end of the year. They have them all year round, these, these moving parties indeed. A range of topics were on the table, including uh, the detailed rule book on how to implement the Paris Agreement, and it says which must be finalised. I'd say, well, throw it out at the COP24 in 2018. Negotiators worked to iron out details of a stock-taking exercise in 2018, which will measure progress towards the Paris goals, etc., 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 etc. <laughs> and then you into this one too, and it's, um, it's from uh, an Australian uh, one too, and it has... I always quote these, this actually when I'm talking about climate change nonsense and all the movements behind it. This is a quote by Paul Watson, who was a founder of Greenpeace years ago. It says, it doesn't matter what is true. It only matters what people believe is true. Then you have a quote by Jim Sibison, former public relations official for the Environmental Protection Agency. We routinely wrote scary stories. Our press reports were more or less true. We were out to whip the public into a frenzy about the environment. So that always give you scary stories, you see. And a quote by Ottman Edenhofer, high-level UN IPCC official. It says, we redistribute de facto the world's wealth by climate policy. And he just said, we redistribute de facto the world's wealth by climate policy. And this is why all the left is on to this. Oh, it's going to help improve the lives of folk in third world countries. No, it's not, folks. That's the myth. Basically, it's a big mistake to discuss climate policy separately from major themes of globalization. One has to free oneself from the illusion that the international climate policy is environmental policy. This has almost nothing to do with environmental policy anymore. And the quote by the Club of Rome, in searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. All these dangers are caused by human intervention, and thus the real enemy then is humanity itself. Believe humanity requires a common motivation, namely a common adversary, in order to realize world government. It does not matter if this common enemy is a real one or one invented for the purpose. And the only way to get our society to truly change is to frighten people with the possibility of a catastrophe. That was quote by Emeritus Professor Daniel Botkin. Al Gore said, I believe it's appropriate to have an over-representation of factual presentations on how dangerous it is as a predicate for opening up the audience to listen to what the solutions are and how hopeful it is that we are going to solve the crisis. So always over-represent any facts, which, well, it means they're not really true facts anymore, right? You understand? It's scary enough so you listen. That's really what you're saying. And it goes on and on and on, this, this, all the, the characters at the top. Remember, too, I can remember the Christian Stewart, who was the former Canadian Environment Minister for, for Government. No matter if the science is all phony, there are collateral environmental benefits. Climate change provides the greatest chance to bring about justice and equity or equality in the world. 
and Maurice Strong, who was one of the biggest powers behind the United Nations Biodiversity Treaty, etc., he says, isn't the only hope for the planet that the industrialized civilizations collapse? Isn't it our responsibility to bring that about? And it goes on and on and on and on. And the Bonn Climate Agreement wants another $300 billion per year to alleviate the tedium. It says that they've accepted a report which demands an additional $300 billion per year on top of the $100 billion already promised by the world's governments. The cash is to be dispersed via existing green groups because it is so tedious to set up a new United Nations bureaucracy to spend your money. And that's just the beginning. Just the beginning. I'm really <laughs> fed up with all this kind of stuff because I could go on all night with it. I've got so many articles, but I won't put them all up, of course. And I don't have time to read them all because most folk really switch off when it comes to too many facts to do with things which are unpleasant. And uh, that's why you can make lots of money by giving people hype and nonsense to argue about because you, you, you play with their, their heads, basically, as opposed to helping them at all to understand anything. But we are basically in a world government already. And this is the technique to bring in world government. It's been admitted to, by the way, by all the big, big, big players way above the ones I've mentioned tonight. And that is to, to use the environment to save the world, etc., to bring in global government. And I might just touch on that next week with, with two or three articles. I won't do the whole night with it because, as I say, most folks switch off. They can't handle. that. You've all been trained, you understand? You've all been trained to have performances and entertainment along with what you think is news or, or facts that you should know about. And, and it's not that way at all. You don't have to be utterly serious and read it off like a, the, like the old Politburo uh, newscaster in the Soviet Union would do. But at the same time, too, most folk can't handle it today. They can't handle Because really, what on earth do you do when you don't have representative government? What do you do? What do you do when you see all this happening and you can't, you, you, you're not even asked for your opinion? When unelected Groups, hundreds of them, are making policy that you must follow and you don't elect them. What do you do? I think it's time you all answered that because, you see, the, the true Soviet that was always planned by the Fabian Society going using existing democracies, as they called it back then, rather than outright revolution, was the Soviet, a rule by councils, organizations. That's what you're under today. From myself, from a very incredibly, incredibly assaulted sky in Ontario, Canada. It's getting worse all the time with these planes just going back and forth and mushing it all up. I'm Alan Watts, and it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.